Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. As we come before God's presence to praise Him, we also come to confess our sins. This morning we have uh, some Proverbs. Uh, selected from chapters 22, 29, uh, on the uh, raising of children. Hear God's word. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. When the wicked increase, transgression increases, but the righteous will look upon their downfall. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Thus far, the reading of God's word. We'll be considering parenting and the family today, and these Proverbs focus on corrective discipline. But notice that last one. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. The goal when parents discipline children is rest and delight, reconciliation and peace restored. But that often means that you need to be willing to bear the rod first. Children often need to suffer consequences for their sins. And if parents hold back from discipline, sometimes out of a misguided feeling that they need to be kind instead, then children will come to expect to get their way all the time. If parents use only words with little ones and spare the rod, that too can spoil the child. Children also need to hear from parents, too, that their parents and their God love and forgive them. It's good when children feel guilty for their wrongdoing, but it's easy for that to slip into feeling forsaken or despairing. Receiving children back with a hug, with a comforting word, is just as important after as bringing the rod to bear first. So children, you need to honor your parents all the time. Even when you feel like they're being mean or cruel, they are doing their best to teach you God's ways. This reminds us of our need to confess our sins. And we turn to Ephesians 6, the first four verses for our sermon text here. Let's pray before we read. Heavenly Father, may your word be our rule. And may your spirit be our teacher. And may the glory of your son, Jesus Christ, be our single concern. We pray in his name, seeking to be like him and to be made more and more conformed to his image that through this word, in Christ's name, amen. Ephesians 6, the first four verses. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but this word of God stands forever. And God's people said, Amen. Very simple text here on... uh, And it's often the simplest things that are uh, the most complicated to carry out in practice. 
and parents know the truth of this. This is, again, part of this series, How Now Shall We Live? We've looked at things to believe in the last month or three, and now we're considering how to live out this faith in the church, in the family, uh, and so forth. We'll probably be um, turning to 1 Timothy or Titus in the next uh, little while leading up to Advent. So that's coming soon. But as for today... Children, obey your parents. Uh, Notice here that Paul talks directly to children in his letter. That's the first thing to notice before we get to the word obey. Let's look at the word children. Paul's talking to you kids, okay? So all of you littler ones, I'm seeing some of you looking at me now. That's good. All right. Be paying attention today. Notice this. Paul meant to talk, God, that talks directly to you, okay? You belong here, is part of what that means. This letter, it was expected, Paul expected to read this letter, that someone would read it, carry it to the church, and would stand up like I'm standing, and read through the whole letter to the Ephesians, to the church in Ephesus. And part of that, he he stops in, in everything else he says, and he says, children, He's assuming they're going to be in, in the group, for one thing. And, he, and, that, and God has something to say to you. That's really important. The Apostle Paul takes a moment in an important letter to talk to you, kids. After church, uh, often it's good when you come up to me. I like talking to you. Uh, you. You've probably noticed that a lot of the kids will do that. It's good. God wants to hear from you, too, when you pray. Remember that. And your parents, uh, they also need to, to listen to things that are on your mind. Uh, hear, um, hear you tell them about your day. That's good. So Paul is talking directly to you kids in this letter. What does he say? Obey. Uh, the word here is, in the Greek, it's literally hyper-listen. That's, that's the word for obey, to, to listen really hard. Listen, listen. And that means not just to have it go in one ear and out the other, but it sticks and you listen and you do it. That's the idea. So uh, obey your parents. If, and this is very simple, right? If dad tells you to take out the trash, you take out the trash. If mom says it's time for math, you don't roll your eyes and groan and complain. Children, obey your parents. Uh, there's three adverbs I always like to use here. How do you obey? You need to obey right away, not later. Right? You also need to obey all the way, not just do a half job. And you need to obey cheerfully without the rolling of the eyes or the groaning or the, the back talk. Right? So, it, it, children, you need to obey your parents. Parents, it's very important on your side that you make sure this is happening. Okay? It's a stop everything big deal if you get back talk, whining, or stubborn refusal. Uh, don't worry that you're uh, being some egomaniac making them obey you. That's not what's happening. You're training them to respect authority and the office of parent. You're not feeding your own power trip. So stop everything and make sure that they obey. That, that, that needs to happen. Um, so children, obey your parents. One thing that comes up is uh, how long, how old should children continue to obey their parents? They wanted to take you back to Numbers 30. I was there last week. Uh, we didn't turn there. If you'd like, turn there with me today. Numbers 30, uh, verse 3, I believe it is. It's a, kind of an obscure 
passage, but it has a lot to teach us, I believe. Uh, Numbers 30, here in verse 3, consider this. If a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself by some agreement while in her father's house in her youth, and her father hears her vow and the agreement by which she has bound herself and holds his peace, then all her vows shall stand. So you see that the principle there is that a father can overrule a daughter's decision or course of action that she's planning to take. As long as, look at the end of verse 3, she is in her father's house in her youth. And that's the key principle right there. That's how long you have to obey your parents. As long as you're in your father's house or in your youth. So we honor our parents their whole life long. But we get to a point somewhere, uh, today, these days that's around 18 or 20 or 22, when we don't have to obey them anymore, right? As adults, we probably want to continue seeking out our parents for advice, uh, although some of us have difficult parents who are not believers, uh, who didn't parent us well. And it can be hard to honor them, but it must be done. Uh, Jim Wilson's book on bitterness helps here. He's got a couple of good articles on how to honor your parents, uh, even in old age. So uh, this is how we obey. Uh, Now, the next thing Paul says, back to Ephesians 6, is, for this is right, which I find an interesting explanation of why we should do this. Because it's right. It's, It's God's design, in other words. right? It's his pattern for how life should work. Uh, how, his, how the family is to function. So part of what he's saying here is he's kind of broadening this and saying this is the setup. That the, the parents in the family should set the agenda, not the children. Right? The children need to obey the parents. Our culture today has this all backwards. Right? There are whole schools of thought out there dedicated to child-driven learning. Right? Just, just let the child do what they want and they'll eventually get around to the assignment is kind of the idea. Uh, or think of uh, college campuses. When, when students protest hard enough, the administration will usually give them whatever they're asking for. Even colleges have become student-driven more than administration and professor-driven. Uh, so our culture does have this backwards. But this is right for children to obey their parents. And the second reason Paul gives in going into verse 2 is he quotes the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. And there's this promise here, Uh, not just of earthly longevity, it is that, but it's also prospering spiritually, right? That it may go well with you and that you may live long. I often like to make make jokes about the living long part, right? If you want to have a long life, listen to your parents. But it's it's more than just that. It's more than just the hammer's going to come down if you don't. It's, It's going to go well for you if you honor your parents, right? So when you honor your parents, there's a, there's a palpable spiritual blessing that comes. Uh, so that's one thing to note here on the honor your father quote. Another thing to, get to note again is just that Paul does this at all. Remember Paul's writing to Gentile Christians in Ephesus, which is modern day Turkey, right? They know, many of them, know nothing about the Old Testament scriptures. But Paul is applying the Old Testament law to Gentile Christians, that's very significant, and it's, it, it was a, a clue uh, to all of those gathered, hey, there's this, there's this text that we need to um, turn to that we haven't been familiar with before, 
and need to uh, take as God's word and apply to our lives and, and live according to it. That, that was a, a basic reorientation for them. And Paul speaks that to the Gentile believers, children. Uh, children also have God's word applied to them. So that's children obeying your parents. Now let's consider also verse 4. Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. The same as in Colossians 3, it was there too that we read. And, and now I'll speak kind of in general terms. Maybe this won't be true in, in your experience. Maybe it's even reversed in your experience. But generally, fathers bring a, a needed element to parenting of hard knocks, uh, of a harder uh, uh, line to toe. Generally, it's general, I know, uh, but generally mom's usually a softer or a gentler touch. And dad, dad is responsible to lead. Notice that's the implication here in verse 4. Uh, verse 1, Paul tells both parents, or addresses both parents. Children, you need to obey whatever parents you have, mom and dad, right? But then you get to verse 4, and, and, and he uh, addresses fathers directly. Fathers, bring your children up in the training of the Lord. So mom and dad do this together, but dad is responsible to lead and to chart the course in parenting. And dad has to be careful not just to override his wife all the time and take his hard knocks approach every time. Going too far that way will provoke your children to anger. Dad needs to absorb mom's patient, more nurturing approach and implement some mix of that and the hard knocks that are also sometimes necessary. Some of you uh, young fathers, you've uh, complained to me about the grief of having a harsher and absent father yourself. And then I'll also see a, a, a zeal in yourself to do it right. Uh, and, and that can lead to a tendency to the same harshness. I've been there myself. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, so don't provoke your children to wrath. Of course, you can also provoke in other ways. You can provoke your children by being negligent, by not giving them enough attention, by being too hands-off. Uh, so it's, it's difficult to um, see when your children are sinning, sometimes it's resulting from something that you're doing that's contributing to it. And that's important to continue to consider. But instead of provoking, train them. And the word there really is train. Uh, we have bring them up in the New King James. I forget what the ESV says right now. But it's a, it's a process, uh, a course of, of instruction, but not just teaching. It's training. It, it's more of, of the boot camp mentality. Your whole life is wrapped up in this. That's the next word after bring them up. In the training, that word the training, it's the word paideia, which means all of life. This is a lifestyle. This isn't just something that you do, you clock in for the school day and then you clock out and then you just do whatever you want. This is all lifelong kind of training. Long-term nurture, coaching, a course of coaching in a way of life. It made me think of um, that old movie of the 80s, The Karate Kid. You remember that with, uh, I, I even forget the kid's name right now, but Mr. Miyagi, I always remember his name. Uh, and you remember Mr. Miyagi, he had him, you know, washing his cars and painting his fences. He's like, what, when are we going to get to karate? And, and so he finally shows him that all the motions he's been doing are karate motions, right? That, that's often how training goes. Uh, you want to be coaching your children in certain ways, towards certain ends, which sometimes means having them take out the trash. 
so that if they learn to do this, then they'll be able to do this other thing later in life. It's very similar to that. Uh, remember, remember he was uh, the karate kid. He was exasperated a lot with Mr. Miyagi, right? You, well, your children will, will still be exasperated sometimes, uh, but dad is patient and he knows what he's doing and why. That, that's the goal. And notice, by the way, in there that that can be a bit confusing. Sometimes your kids are exasperated because you're asking so much of them. Well, then are you breaking verse 4? Are you provoking your children to wrath? Are you pushing them too far? Maybe. Or maybe they're just being lazy and talking back, right? And, you, and it's difficult to negotiate that, and that takes wisdom. And, and we need to consider the, the frame of our children. We need to be clear in our parenting. Uh, just this past week, I heard a good um, podcast episode by Joel Beakey. He's a, a good teacher on parenting. And, and he had some good advice. It's important when you're um, asking your children to do things, for example, clean your room. It's important to be clear about that. If you just say, go clean your room, and then they do kind of half of a job, then they could just say, well, I thought you meant pick up everything on the floor, not make my bed. So sometimes you need to be more clear, especially with younger children. I want you to pick up the things on the floor and make your bed and just list things out a bit more to be clear. That can be helpful uh, to our children. Well, uh, in application here, just some... Uh, general principles to consider. Uh, God gives uh, two parents to children, mom and dad, because often one is too lenient and the other is too harsh or too stringent. Not always, but that's often the case. It's kind of like Dave Ramsey's thing where he talks about the free spirit and the nerd, right, in financial realms. There's, there's often two opposing viewpoints in a marriage, and that can happen in parenting as well. You have to work towards like-mindedness as husband and wife and do that together towards the kids. It can be the same, by the way, in a church, uh, how to shepherd a member who is going off the rails. And, and the elders get together and talk about it, and one elder is maybe too lenient and the other maybe too strict, and they need to work together to a solid middle way. It's the same kind of dynamic. Well, when we think about parenting and children in general, we sang from Psalm 128 once again today, Bless the man who fears Jehovah. Uh, we want to pursue having children because children are a blessing. Uh, the, our culture today puts this off for other things, put off marriage, put off having kids. But it's part of the dominion mandate. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. We often think about work with the dominion mandate. But having children is part of the dominion mandate. It's something that God calls most of us to. Now, children are a blessing. They can be a burden too, but they are a blessing. Uh, again, the world often sees children as just burdens uh, and uh, tends to put that off. But we want to see children as blessings, and they are. I don't believe that there's any biblical mandate to have as many children as possible in the Bible, but we don't want to adopt the world's mentality of the, the boutique family either, right? Have one boy and one girl to get the full experience in a manageable size. Right? That's, that's not really the way we should be thinking about children either. God may give you a child with extra needs that calls for less kids after. Or you may be able to handle more children than you realize at first. This is a complicated issue. It, it doesn't call for hard and fast, short, simple um, absolutes. 
but we want to remember that children are a blessing. Uh, there's one overreaction that some of our folks can have to uh, the children are a burden view, and that's to view our children as tools in the culture war. And there's a half-truth to that, right? We are seeking to send out our children uh, to be faithful and take dominion themselves. Uh, but there can be, I've heard teaching something like, well, if you have ten kids, and then each of your kids have ten kids, we're going to outpopulate the Muslims in no time. Kind of, kind of gist, Right? And that mentality that, that subordinates the personhood of your children to a culture war. And, I, and I'm all for fighting the culture war, but we need to be careful there. We are raising eternal souls that are going to long outlast the Democratic Party in this country, for example. So one, Psalm 127 says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, right? Yes, absolutely. But there are many targets out there. And your, your children, as they grow, they may wind up aiming at a different target than you had in mind for them. And that's usually fine, too. Well, children are a, a blessing, and we want to consider them such. Uh, something else, another issue to consider is, uh, do we assume that our children are in God's covenant, or do we evangelize them? And to an extent, I would say both. This, this often is an either-or question that doesn't have to be. Uh, we want to, uh, Doug Wilson talks about this, we, we want to speak English to our children from the time they're one day old, even though they can't understand English, right? We want to immerse them in scripture, in Christian practice, in, in the covenant that God has given us. So we want to assume that they are in the covenant, yes. But there will be moments when calling them to a decision for the Lord is fitting. And we don't want to shy away from that either. There are, there are times to point your kids to the Lord and say, you're going to have to choose here, and, and you need to decide. So uh, back in the day, there were, was a theological phrase called presumptive regeneration, which we kind of want to steer a bit clear from, right? We don't want to just presume that our children are regenerate and so never call them into the kingdom. But neither do we want to doubt that they're regenerate. And, and be anxiously pressing them into the kingdom all the time uh, and, and pass that anxiety and doubt on to them. There's, there's a, a middle way we need to take there, I believe. We need to parent by faith and not by fear. Uh, that's important. Uh, when Sarah was pregnant with our first, I remember we went and heard some parenting talks and heard the story of the child who's playing in the front yard and all of a sudden they start running for the street. And the parent calls them to come back, but the child doesn't listen. And so they run into the road and they get hit by a car. That, that's the, one, some of the first parenting advice and counsel I got. That's, wow. And that's a real thing. That'll strike the fear of God into you to get your child to listen to you. It's, it can be life or death. But, but this is not the best motivation for parenting. <laughs> do it right or they will die. Not just physically, but spiritually. A little bit of healthy fear is good. The Proverbs do this all the time, right? But if all you've got is fear as a parent, your children are going to pick up on that, and they'll be insecure like you are. Faith is the foundation of all of our Christian behavior, including parenting. Trust God's promises for your children and act according to them. Train up a child in the way he should go, and he won't depart from it. That faith is critical. 
Uh, last thing I'll mention today is uh, the way in which family and parenting reflects the gospel. <clears throat> Obeying parents, having parents, um, uh, being a child who obeys his parent, it's all a picture of the gospel. Think about um, Exodus 20, the introduction to the Ten Commandments. I know it seems kind of strange to go to the Ten Commandments to talk about the gospel, but we're Reformed people. We can do that. Uh, the, the first verse, the first thing God says to them on Mount Sinai is, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of bondage. That's the first thing he says. And then he says, do this, don't do that, live this way, don't live that way. Apply that now to uh, how we live our lives as Christians. Uh, all of a sudden we find ourselves believers in Christ. Now what do we do? Well, there's a whole book to tell us, right? And when we come to the idea of parenting and of having children, uh, right? God gives us children or not. That's not something that we can do on our own. Uh, some of us are painfully aware of that. It's sheer grace to be alive, to be here at all, to have children, right? So now, with that grace, remember your Creator. Obey Him. Obey your parents. And enter the kingdom of God as little children. Children, obey your parents. God will bless that. And fathers, train your children in the way that they should go. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. We pray for wisdom as parents to lead our children into faithful obedience, for wisdom to not provoke them, but to know what they can handle, what is too much for them, when we're asking too little of them. We pray for our children, that they would be willing helpers in the home, that they would be obedient when they don't want to be, that they would learn that critical aspect of self-denial, delaying self-gratification, and listen to authority. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would make us all more faithful and loving members of your flock in our homes, in our families. We thank you for being a faithful father to us, for giving us brothers and sisters in the faith, in your church, that we can look to and learn from. And so we give you thanks for all of this, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus, the ever-living word, and we pray as he taught us to pray. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. Thus far the reading of God's word. In God's design, all authority is established to serve those in their charge. So when mom is with the kids during the day at home, she's in charge and she makes lunch 
The, the one in authority serves and meets the needs of those who have those needs. When the county commissioners are voted into office, they go about meeting the needs of the residents. That's what they're in office to do. Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And he gave us this table, among other things, to meet our needs. And what is it that we need? We need him. We need Jesus. John 17, verse 3. This is eternal life, to know the Father and the Son he sent us. To bring, boil it all down, what one thing this table shows us is that people need Jesus. Like children need parents. We're lost, we're at sea without him. So come again and welcome to Jesus Christ. The body of Christ, broken for you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for providing us with this feast, uh, this uh, sacrament, uh, these signs and seals of your covenant of grace. For you have been faithful, you have been good. And we thank you, Lord, that as you uh, have established your church, as you have provided for us in your Son, that you continue providing day by day, week by week, for our needs. Uh, you remind us, Lord, of the gospel, of the truth, of, the, of your love for us in Christ, that nothing can separate us from you. You remind us, too, Lord, of how we are to be living. Uh, and, uh, Lord, we seek to obey you in all things. Help us to do so faithfully, cheerfully, all the way uh, here at this table to take of this bread and wine uh, and to uh, eat and drink, uh, praising our Heavenly Father and the Son that He has sent. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.